0: Welcome to the Sports & Torts Podcast, your go-to podcast for entertaining conversations on sports, law, and business. This podcast is powered by the Jay Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, here is your host, Joshua Stein. What's up, everybody? How are we doing today? Momentum is strong here on Sports & Torts. Let's just keep it rolling. Y'all keep hitting that download button, keep telling your friends, keep texting me your thoughts. I love all of it. Uh, After a few weeks of talking mainly sports, we are back here on the torch sides of things, talking to my friend and fellow lawyer, Nick Schneider. Nick also handles personal injury cases like me and has a practice and firm that is growing like crazy, so we really appreciate him spending some time with us here today. He also has, in my opinion, one of the best taglines in the business. If you need a fighter, Call Nick Schneider, my man. How we doing? What an honor! An incredible introduction. I appreciate that. (laughs) Hopefully, we have a little bit of sports involved too. You know, we we do. So I love the tagline, the boxing (laughs) gloves. I mean, like, tell me all about that, man.
1: So funny story. Um, You want people to remember you. I tell people that it's nothing else matters. Whether even if it's a little bit bad, you want to be remembered. Uh, And so my mom was in radio for 25 years, and so so that's maybe why I'm comfortable here. But. You do uh you look comfortable, man. You're yeah. sitting back, you got your drink, <laughs> but, I mean, legs cross.
0: You're a great we can, host. We can do this all day. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. <laughs> um and so she came up with it. Uh she said fighter Schneider, uh, and it just it exploded from there and I've loved every minute of it. And people remember it, which they is what important.
0: they do. We'll get more into it. You know, it's funny the Schneider too, I mean, you know, Bethany Schneider was here within the last month, so it's funny I've got two people with the same last names that I spelled differently Slightly, though, right? Yeah. Um y'all are not related. Okay. Um, Did you pronounce it differently or did they pronounce the same? Same. Is there any other pronunciation for your last name, or is it kind of is what it is? I, I mean, I get Skyter,
1: Snyder, Schnitter, Skyler, uh, but it, as far as I'm aware, it's just supposed to be pronounced Schneider. I get
0: Steen sometimes, nice. you know, Steen. Uh, but you know, that, that's about as that's about as, as far off as people get We've with me. We both got good Jewish names. That's it. Is that? <laughs> I mean, you, you know, that's how that's how it goes. It's good stuff. Uh, we also both enjoy a good drink. Both en- enjoy a good bourbon drink. God bless. Um, me. I, I always will ask people, you have know, the reputation I have on the podcast that people just come here to eat and drink, which is fine. I'm okay with that. But there, <laughs> but there, there is some, some, some good work that goes on here, too. But the truth is out. I always ask people, I'll text them or call them and say, hey, what, what do you like to drink? What do you like to eat? Da, da, da. And people will send me these elaborate answers and these fancy stuff. You wrote back one word, bourbon. <laughs> I mean, I was going to shoot caviar out there, but I figured, you know. I'd I was like, to- I was like, my man gets me my man gets me and so we're drinking eagle rare which um is delicious and was a gift from greg parent who you of course know big fan um he was here last uh he was here recently and so you know i want to pay it forward so um anyway shout out to him appreciate that and we're gonna enjoy this same have a good time i gotta so. send him a thank you card yes absolutely so uh anyway introduce yourself people that don't know you talk about you know, your background where you're from all that kind of good stuff yeah
1: so um, i was born in panama city uh, Florida, spent a little time in Oklahoma,
0: but I've been here since,
1: uh, essentially, when I was 11 in Georgia. So I, I consider it home, hopefully. That's yeah. okay with people.
0: Yeah, that that makes you a native Jordan Georgian, yeah. based yeah, on I the don't definition. I don't have the, the accent, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed the, the, the line you told me before about being you moved around a lot because you're an Army brat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so tell me about that. I, I, so I grew up in the Salvation Army. That's what I love about when people
1: ask about our growth and what we're doing right now. I'm first-generation everything. Uh, my parents, we we lived. Uh, I don't know how people if know much about the Salvation Army, but essentially they like married couples to be in there, and that's how they get their ranks. So my parents were sergeants. Uh, and so uh, they actually provide housing if you're in the Salvation Army and so it's very unique uh, way to live. So what kind of perspective they give you on the world just kind of growing up in that environment? Yeah so I like to tell people about that a lot Um, a lot of people know the bell ringers Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I remember being five six and falling asleep in the back of you know a few SUVs while we driving around collecting all those coins uh, and it was fun. It was exciting to see piles of coins, uh, at, you know, 10 o'clock at night, uh, falling asleep on, um, thrift store couches, uh, cause they run thrift stores and things like that. So, uh, some of my most vivid first
0: memories were, were with the Salvation Army running homeless shelters. That's so cool, man. And, and your family being in a business that is intended to the mission is to help people. I'm sure that probably led you to what you're doing today. I think you'd be a great psychiatrist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just dug right into that. I mean, just, yeah. I gotta, I gotta add that to the list.
1: Uh, I think so. I'd like to think so. Um, I think it's helpful to, to come from more humble beginnings for a lot of, at least for me personally, to, to relate to what people are going through. Uh, a lot of our clients have come to us in their worst days. Uh, and when you're supposed to be up there telling their story, and that's essentially what trial lawyers are. We're storytellers. Yep. um, you know, we one of my um, employees today was at uh, in jury duty today, and I, I love when one of our employees do that because you get to really get their
0: perspective because you know you and I are never going to be on a jury, and so <laughs> they kick us off real quick. My friends, every week I get a text from somebody or a call, hey, I'm in jury duty this yes. Monday. Like, how do I get off of it? Like, that's the question I always get. What's your what's your stock answer when someone asks you that? <laughs> so, I mean, you can just tell them you
1: something crazy if you want to, but pick a really extreme. Position than uh, just dictator, uh, right? Um, but I beg them to do it. I mean, I'm like, please. You have no idea how powerful you are. I mean, and that's actually what I tell juries when I pick them. I say, corporations or kings bow before you. You know, that's why we stand up when you walk in, and when you tell them that, they're
0: a little bit more excited
1: to be on the jury.
0: <laughs> yeah. So my wife was on a jury a couple of years ago, a criminal case, sad criminal case. It was a it was a murder of a baby. So oh, her her experience, her experience was 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 awful. Um, but I agree with you. Like, I think that if people, if, if they have the, I mean, everybody's got busy lives and no one wants to take a, a week or what off, but people will get a lot out of it. And I found that people take it pretty damn seriously once they're back there.
1: I'm blown away mm-hmm. by the work most of the jury does. Occasionally you have a couple sleepers, people just want to go home. But overall, the, the work that they do is impeccable and I'm, I'm humbled by it. Um, that's why I'm so respectful of, of what they come down to. And that's why I beg them once they hand down the verdict, good or bad, uh, please tell me how you got here. Two minutes. It, it changes everything. You, I,
0: you I can do. learn so much. Things they pick up on that you never thought about. I say you, just you know, the lawyers never thought about um, how they looked at certain issues of the case. It never would have thought to be a big deal. It's wild. They stick on immense things. That's
1: why I love doing focus groups because just they, they give you curveballs out of nowhere. You're like, what? You care about that? Uh, so, but yeah, it's, it's extremely humbling and I'm blown away by the diversity of people on the jury. You know, you get when you're surrounded by attorneys, you get when you're surrounded by doctors or people like that, that are are super educated, but the average person out there, they really do put in a lot of work and, and they care and it puts out some amazing results.
0: Well, you clearly, you know, you love being a lawyer. You're good at it. It's something you always want to do. I love that's the question. Why did you go to law school? What made you become a lawyer? Like, that's that's such an easy question. But seriously, like, what, what was it?
1: Yeah, it's no divine. You know, I wish I could give the, the t- prototypical answer. I loved arguing when I was four. And then, like, that's what I hear all the time is people are like, oh, your kid likes to argue. They're going to be a great lawyer. Um, I was a very introverted kid i like to play with my hot wheels and put them in line. And, uh, I just, I really enjoyed being alone. It was, and I, and I carried that trait for a long time, uh, well into adulthood. Uh, it scared my mom to death. She was like, you're never going to have any friends. And, uh, she was very worried about it. And that helped me grow as a father. Uh, I have two young children, uh, to not assume that the four year old you is going to be you forever. Um, but, I, honestly, as a, as a good old millennial, uh, we ran into a lot of really rough markets. I mean, I, I didn't know what I wanted to be. My parents, the the old adage, boomers love to tell millennials, go to college. How, who, what, where, why, when, no guidance whatsoever. Right. <laughs> just go. And so I did. I just went. Uh, and I was getting a sociology degree. Uh, luckily, I, I got a double major before I got
0: out in law as well. But uh, I wasn't sure. Uh-huh. That's what ultimately brought you to Atlanta, right? College and then law school. Yeah. Which, which brought you here. Okay. And let's just, let's just kind of, because there's so much I want to get to sure, with sure, you. Sure. Um, so let's just get right to like your first job out of, out of college, excuse me, first job out of law school, there for a few years, and then boom, opening up your firm, doing what you're doing. like, tell me, tell me like the evolution of how you got there. So uh, like I said, job market was tough. Uh, I did
1: Will's Trust in the States and tax law, all those, Uh right out of law school, hated it. I mean, honestly, I thought I ruined my life. Um, I was making 60-year bartending, no debt, I had a good life. Uh, so I knew I hated that, and it was very clear that my, the, the, uh, the owner was not a fan of me, because I wasn't enjoying it, I mean, as simple as that. And so, of course, at that phase, I just thought maybe I'm not a good lawyer. But it was the type of law, thank goodness. Uh, and then um, somebody posted an ad at my school and for a personal injury law, and I never had a huge interest in it, but I was excited to do trial work, something exciting, and to help people. You know, that's such a great the
0: opposite end of the spectrum of wills, yes. trusts, estates, and tax. It's what I love about what we, we do. We love our wills and estates and trust. Yeah, absolutely, friends. close uh, friends
1: of mine. <laughs> we get to help human beings, you know, and so do uh, state attorneys, but it's such an honor to, to represent human beings who did nothing wrong. And so I got into that very small shop right off MLK drive. Um, and uh, I was making 38 a year. I thought I ruined my life <laughs> and uh, did that for about four and a half years. Um, luckily I had brought in uh, a family friend connected me funny story. Uh, somebody went to law school, dated this woman once. And then they broke up and she remembered me and called me and said, Hey, my family was in a horrific incident. Can you help us out?
0: Isn't that wild? The, the, of, of, you, if you look back at like how things go and the connections and how you get clients or how things happen, like it's, can be something as random as that. Like, you know, the story that I tell people about, um, when I was doing defense work is I went to one of these conferences we used to go to, to go meet clients and do all this kind of stuff. And I went to the happy hour and I went to the room and I went left instead of right. It just kind of got lost. And I ended up in this other room where somebody else had got lost as well. And so we started talking and ended up, she was like a higher up in one of these big, you know, corporations, retail companies. And so we like met right then and there through no other reason other than we both kind of took the left turn. We should have gone right. And I ended up getting in with her and getting business with her. And that kind of snowballed into a whole bunch of other stuff. So similar to you, it's. You know, not random, but it is something that came from darn close, you know, came from something. And so, and you you took it and sounds like that was a case that maybe springboarded you to, yeah. And
1: so my son was three months old at the time. And, uh, we had just gotten, you know, our portion of that. And, uh, she just saw me dragging in, man. She was just like, Oh, you do not look happy. I was like, I try to hide it from her. You know, she just quit her job. And, uh, you know, I was, you know, I didn't want to burden her with any type of issues that I had, but, uh, and I kind of went to her after she asked me. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about doing my own thing.
0: Uh, what do you think? She's like, do it. Yeah, and great to have the support of the which wife. Which is crazy. My wife <laughs> did the same thing. She's yeah. great. She's like, do it. You have to have that support because it's, it's such a monumental decision. And if at home they're not behind you, it makes it that much harder. So what year was this? How long ago? Yeah, I
1: graduated undergrad 20, I mean, I'm sorry, law school December 2011. And I founded my firm August 2016. Okay. So this
0: would have been... All right, so we're gonna work backwards and then go forward, backward in time. Then back. I made the comment that you've been so busy opening offices, which is true. So let's let's timestamp it now.
1: How many offices? How many employees? How many people? Were you yeah, in? it's it's crazy. So when I started the firm, it was just me, uh, literally just me, zero cases.
0: <laughs> hey guys, I'm here. <laughs> I have a <laughs> the, cell phone. Definition of,
1: of hanging a shingle. Uh, you know, I I dug in and nobody knew who I was doing. I was the, the classic introvert. But we have uh, our. I believe our eighth attorney, counting me, starting Monday. Uh, And then we have 40 staff, four
0: locations. Awesome, good for you. Clap, clap, clap to you. I was going back and trying to remember when you and me first met, and I was like to figure out how i kind of come into people um, make connections. And I, I figured it out. Jeff Yashinsky introduced us. Oh, my God. I love Jeff. I mean, we've been love talking
1: him. a lot. He's a big Lions fan.
0: So. Big Lions fan. He was, my, help him. he was my, when I first graduated law school, went to work for Progressive. Yeah. And he was who I went to work for. It cracks me up because he
1: he's the perfect I love fans of teams that don't win much (laughs) because they're so diehard. So we played them the first. I'm an Eagles fan. Yeah. Uh, We played them the first game of the season, and he's like, y'all are going down. And we were texting each other through every every play basically and it's from the whole time He's, he was he was absolutely convinced that we were gonna lose uh, and no matter what he he still believes that he told me
0: they're gonna make the playoffs and he stays true I mean and, and Charlie batch I remember mean, that was his guy and that he he went to college in in, in in Michigan and then went for the for the Lions so love Jeff but you know it's so interesting how, how the world works right like I met Jeff 15 plus years ago worked with him worked for him he introduced me to you. I don't even remember why or how, yeah, I mean, maybe, neither- maybe whatever, and here we are. So that to me, that's what it's all about, is just making the connections, being with people, and just having a good time doing this. That's such a huge part. I mean, literally, I, that's how I
1: started the firm. I, I literally had no clients, and I sat down, and I Googled every lawyer in a 10-mile radius, and I sent them an email, the best email address. Please, I have just started a firm. I'd love to sit down and bottom lunch. Um, and ninety percent of the time it was a it didn't work out, but it only takes a few.
0: It takes a few and then you get you know, if someone trusts you with the case and do a good job, there comes a second one and the third one. Yeah, and
1: Jim Imbriali, which is who Jeff was working for, was one of the first people that consistently worked with me.
0: Yeah. So yeah. You know. it's great. So so people love the word vision and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a cheesy word, but when you started, like, was your vision to grow and grow and grow? Or is it just like, hey, we're taking this day by day, by day. case by case, and I'm just going to ride this? People ask me a
1: lot. Like, what is the final goal? How many people do you want to be? Where do you want to be? Uh, and thus far, I just, I I keep following the, the work, the people I can help. Um, a lot of attorneys, and I absolutely get it get to a certain point where they start what we call raising the floor. So they only handle, you know, higher and higher value cases. And I thought I would get there, but I really enjoy helping as many people as possible, whether they're smaller cases all the way up to catastrophic injury, med mal.
0: So, so what I'm hearing you're saying is that instead of limiting your practice to just a certain type of case, you're saying, I like doing all these kind of cases. I'll staff up my firm to, to work cases. every and Correct. And I love it. And that's
1: actually a really good way to bring in greener attorneys too, uh, you know, we assign our caseload based on experience. And so, you know, you obviously don't want somebody just got a law school handling catastrophic med mail, uh, or, or you know, uh, dispute liability trucking. But, uh, it's such a great way to, to complement uh, less experienced attorneys with brilliant trial lawyers. So
0: how are you finding all these people? Because all we hear about is, you know, it's hard to find good workers, hard to find good lawyers, hard to get like, so what, like, what is it? Whoa, whoa. It's a combination of several things.
1: Uh, We use the usual websites um, to keep connections. I have good connections with many of the law schools here in Georgia. Um, We we go to their fairs and things like that, but largely uh, it's from connections. I mean, I try to be out a lot at lawyer events. I'm I'm very, I'm a double champ of GTLA and I like to keep connections and, you know, we litigate for dozens of lawyers. So, uh, you, you, people hopefully remember you decent amount. But a lot of our attorneys, uh, one of my associates is named Reese, he went to law school, the same law school as I did, John Marshall Law in Atlanta, and he connected us with the newest associates that's starting. So it's a combination. I think you have to keep your feelers out. Uh, picking a singular way, I think, kind of lowers, you know, shrinks your net.
0: Mm-hmm. So. I'm a, I'm a fan of the, uh, high or slow, fire, fast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So have you experienced some of that in your growth that once you, you bring somebody in and they're just not the right fit, you can tell pretty early on.
1: Yeah. I, I've been actually kind of bad at that.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm kind it's of hard. I'm kind of a bleeding heart.
1: I'm kind of a, let's work through this. Like I said, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was a very good lawyer at the beginning and honestly working for other people. I didn't think they crafted and, and built me up. It was very, you know, I had to do it myself. And so I didn't want to make that mistake that I think um, a lot of people do, a lot of leaders do. But you know, it's funny that you say that because uh, I sat down with Michael Goldberg uh, for lunch a few times, and I asked him that question. I was like, "What's your number one advice?" He said, "Fire fast." And I was like, "Really? That's your that's your you know your number one advice?" He said, "Yeah, you'll know." <laughs> and I'm still learning it, you know. Um, and it's true. The people that have done the you know, knocked over as many vases
0: on their way out are
1: typically the people that I knew I should have got rid of.
0: You know, nine months ago. So you'll appreciate this story. Um, I hired somebody recently, a couple of years back, and it it does not it was not going to go well, and I knew very early on. And there came to this tipping point where um, I just had to had to cut ties. And the day that it happened was on Yum Kipper. Wow. And there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And, it's just time. And I was off of work, of course. Um, but that morning, I was like, it just can't go any further for reasons I'm not going to get into. Oh, no, it. yeah, no. Um,
1: but, <laughs> I don't even want to know.
0: But here but here I am, you know, the morning of Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. I'm like, this is, this is not good, and I'm sorry, God, and I, I don't mean to do this, but... One more it's day. Nice sign. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, um, you know, I always kind of think of that, you know, my, 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 setup is so opposite in terms of the way I, I have one pair of legal. We have very limited cases. I have appreciation for the way everybody goes about their business. And that's, what's so interesting about our jobs is you can go about it so many different ways.
1: Well, that's the funny thing is that a lot of people talk, Oh, it's so impressive. I love your growth and I appreciate that. It's a very kind thing to say to me, but I do not recommend it to everyone. It's not for everyone. Um, you have to have a passion for it. You have to enjoy it. You have to have a you know, kind of a enjoy collaboration and dealing with a lot of people and dealing with a lot of issues. And, um, it's, I do not suggest it for the most people. Um, I absolutely get the appeal of a smaller firm with, you know, boutique type of, um, you know, connection with your clients. There's definitely pluses and minuses. To what sure. we
0: do. And, and one of the things that, that I, ha- that I I'm, I'm not good at delegating, non-lawyer tasks because I have to do something. And frankly, I enjoy doing some of those things. Absolutely. Um, I, still, those, I still
1: write 95% of our complaints personally.
0: Yeah. Those those are some of the things that, you know, I just happen to like to do. But I guess part of your job as you're growing is trying to, to, to put the right assignments and tasks into the right people's hands. Right. It's all about talent.
1: And, and this thing is so much bigger than me now. It, it you know, it, there's, there's no ego in this. Um, you know, my name's on the wall, but the only way you do what we're doing is by finding incredibly talented people who are better at things than you are. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I see in growing firms and really leadership in general is that a lot of people get to a certain level of success and they're making millions a year and they say, well, we're here cause I'm brilliant. I'm such a great, amazing person. So I need to make sure that I'm always in control and I'm, and I'm the best in the room. And I, every time I sit down with my attorneys, every
0: time I sit down with my directors, I'm, I'm worse at something than ever. Yeah. yeah. That's so good to hear you say that. You said that really well. It's an ego thing where no one can do this as good as I can do it. That's why
1: we're here. Right. Right. Oh, so smart. Right.
0: Um, <laughs> No one can come close to doing this task. And uh, I get it, man. Like it's, it's hard to let go here. Get yourself a little refreshment. Um, it's uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard to let go of doing something and trust, putting the trust in somebody else. They can do it. But I imagine that that's one of your kind of day-to-day responsibilities is to do just that. Make sure that people are slotted in a way that they're doing what they can maximize for the firm. And it's constant realignment. You know, I used to have
1: this theory that like, there's this perfect trial lawyer out there. You know, there's this is perfect guy that exists and their woman that can do these things and it's not that simple. Uh, a lot. I am deeply flawed. I'm I'm very good at a lot of things, but I'm also really bad at a lot of things. And a lot of my lawyers are really bad at a lot of things. And so as long as you can build a team around their weaknesses and you can really f- focus and hone that strength, that's what matters. Because the, the group is what matters if you can fix those mistakes. Um, I mean, if there's no passion and if somebody doesn't want to do that, if they continue to make egregious errors and they refuse to uh, correct. And that's different. But some of the most brilliant lawyers I know cannot do certain things. They're just bad at them. Some people are bad at technology. Some people are bad at details. Some people are, you know, um, just not great at being in front of people. And so, um, if you can build around that and build a team that works, I, I think is an incredible thing to do is that the, the, was it? The greater than the sum of its parts that's what we
0: try to be very good the other thing the other buzzword people like to use i think you're very good at synergy. is energy is this well synergy is good but <laughs> culture yeah make sure the culture is good yeah. um you're a cool dude man you're a laid-back guy but you also bust ass and, pips it, and you know your gloves punch on the nose so like how do you create a culture that is in line with kind of your inner chi but uh, but it is the right way to, to run, run it's incredibly firm. difficult um i learned a lot
1: with covid so when When the state shut down in April of 2020, I had just bought my building in Marietta. So I have this massive mortgage uh, that and literally no one could be in the office. So I would drive there alone and sit there. And I learned very quickly everything was digital at that time. And we were really bad at that. Uh, the way we function, we're speaking to one another and being able to build those things and everything was an email. Now everything was, you know, zoom or things like that. And the culture deteriorated really fast. Uh, we were still growing. We were still getting decent results, but culture is huge. And I'm still learning about that because there are certain people. And I, th- I think the calculus is easy in my head. It's like, if you're a good worker and you show up and you care and you do something that works, Ta-da, you've got a great employee. It's not that simple. You know, we've had a few people that checked all those boxes, but they were drama queens and what I call uh, problem amplifiers. So I like to squash problems. When a problem comes in, I want you to tell me it immediately. I'm going to come up with a plan on how to fix it. And I'm, and we're going to move forward and take those steps. And if there's nothing we can do about it, then I don't worry about it as much as I can. Um, and so you can control what you can, but there's some people, and I'm sure you've experienced this. They amplify. They go, How did this happen? And they well,
0: spiral. I think they thrive off the drama. Yes. And and it's it just spreads like wildfire. And then it becomes, you know, inner inner fights and the other. And they just like I said, they thrive off of it. And that's not good for anybody. It's really bad. And it
1: eats away at stuff. And those are the people I keep too long. I'm like, well, but they're really good. And you know, they're great at, you know, pushing paper. And so we finally pulled the plug on them and there's just a sigh of relief. I mean, the whole team is like, wow. And so culture, sadly enough, really is a a concept that I work hard to tailor. But when it comes down to it, we, we work really hard at making sure that we keep our eyes on the goal. You know, the goal is to take care of our clients. It's really that simple. We can go through all these different other things, but if you take care of your clients and you, don't take it too seriously. You know, we try really hard, but I don't expect anyone to take the firm as seriously as I do.
0: Well, you mentioned earlier something about an executive team or a board or Mm -hmm. your words, I don't know, but that's kind of unique to law firms. So touch on that, like how you have it structured and and what you mean by that. So I'm a really big fan
1: of non-attorneys. I I have a huge respect for the support staff in my team. And so, uh, obviously many of my board are attorneys. We were law office, but, um, We have a board of essentially directors. Uh, So we have a pre-litigation director. We have a litigation uh, support staff director. We have a litigation attorney. uh, So she's uh, head of our – so it's it's how the firm runs other than in a courtroom. And so if you can build those foundations, it makes it a lot easier to make everything conducive and function.
0: So these board members, these directors have people underneath them in the areas you just discussed where they filter up to them. And then ultimately, I guess, to you, if needed be, but the idea is you've got someone in place that's managing all that, right?
1: Well, I can't, I can't be in every room at all times. I mean, with four locations and 40 employees, you can't be sitting and listening to every issue. And so the nice thing about it is you can't let everything run uphill. If something happens, you need someone that they can move to. And so you want them to be able to report to your team. And then we sit down every month and say, let's talk about every concern we have. Even if there's no issues, we make sure to always sit down. Now
0: the four locations we're in the trust tree here. Yeah, which one you like to go to the best?
1: <laughs> so Marietta has been. That's your home base, right? It it is currently, um, but I'm really enjoying our Buckhead. That's our new one. We started January 3rd. Um, those are the two All I right, largely. Marietta, got to catch up. <laughs>
0: Buckhead jumping ahead. <laughs> it's it's a cool building. Marietta's is a really cool build. Good for you. So the other thing I like about about your style, man is your social media game is is very good and and you know we do, we discussed the the fighter but the other one is we don't ask we tell. Yeah. Talk about that because again I just It's I love on it. My, it's on my letterhead which is really funny cuz I, I seen, didn't realize I, I a nice.
1: <laughs> but then on there is such a I So probably.
0: firm name address and we don't ask we tell. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of aggressive
1: but um it's it's another one that that uh, that one I largely develop myself, but that's a huge thing that I like to hammer with people, and I try to talk about a lot. Is that that is the service that we provide? Until you file a lawsuit and move forward to a jury, you're just talking, you're just asking. You're like, "Can you please do the right thing?" Um, and in a, an ideal world, that's how they it work, works. But it they should don't. work, but the insurance don't. Right, their job is to pay our clients as little as possible, regardless. Justice be damned, you know. So. Um, I, that's where it came from is that we really do. We're not asking you do it or or we'll make someone do it. Uh, I'm one of the, I'm the nicest guy that you can meet, but if you force my hand, you know, we'll, we'll drag it through the mud.
0: What sort of conversations have you had with adjusters or people receiving your, your letterhead that see that? I hate preload adjusters.
1: Uh, (laughs) I really do. I'm so bad at it. So I mentioned one of my associates, Reese, he, his mother is a state farm adjuster and, um, he, he loves them. He really does. He's the sweetest, kindest guy. He's like, hey guys, you need to understand what they're going through. And I tell him, I was like, thank goodness for what you do, because I do not view it that Ain't way. Ain't gonna be me. I don't view it that way, man. And it's nice to have a good cop in the firm, but it. I don't. I don't want to hear excuses. They make arguments they'll never say at trial. And it drives me crazy. You know, they're making well. The you can reduce the bill. Oh my! God. Uh, you know, and I and I call an adjuster speak, and I've said it to their face. I said, "Oh, great adjuster speak." And they're like, "What was that?" And I was like, "Things
0: you'll never argue before a jury. I only care what a jury will do with this." So it's important that they know that you know what's up, right? You have to because there's a lot of folks. Unfortunately, there's no barrier of entry to these cases, mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of people that will call and adjuster says like, "Oh, oh, is that oh, okay?" Well, in that case. Then I'll accept what you're saying. You have to you have to educate them so they know that you know what's up. Well that's a terrifying part about really insurance in general in any field,
1: is that there's someone telling professionals what to do based on the money. It's like,
0: excuse me? Like where'd you get your law license? It's terrifying in many ways. Yeah, but the we ask we don't ask, we tell I mean, I'm always impressed when someone can take like, was that, five words, six sure. words, and make it like a pretty powerful thing. I'm not good at that. I'm like like just throwing up words and it's too many. I I really am impressed with people that can condense things down like
1: to that. To be remembered, I mean if I can give you any, you know, walk away is that you need something that 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 resonates and that people remember because there's so many th- people run into so many different things, they see so many things, there's so much competition in what we do and that if they can't take a snippet away, they're not going to remember
0: a, you know, 45 minutes <laughs> a conference. They're going to but they'll remember a, a nice little, you know, yeah, one-two punch. I, you know, I, and I've said this. People that listen to this podcast every, every week, number one, thank you. I'm very appreciative. But they hear me say a lot of the same things because there's only so much I can say. Of course. But, but but one of the things I always say is like my marketing, a lot of social media, and I used to do these two minute videos, and then they went to one minute videos, and now I'm like 45 second videos. You're like six words, and you're saying kind of what I'm trying to say, and yeah. all these things. So um, I'm just uh, just. You're right. It's like, you got to say something that people are going to remember in two minutes, as brief as that is, it's too long.
1: It's such a huge, even in openings and closings, you know, juries want to get to the point and move on. Uh, and we as lawyers love to talk. I mean, we've lived these cases for so long is that we want the juries to know every detail, but they don't care about that. They want to, they want to do justice. They want to hear the theme. They want to see the evidence and they want to go home. And don't waste their time. They're right. They don't want to hear why you think it's important, and all these different things, and they don't want to hear it. You want to say this is the evidence you're going to see. This is why it's important. We I want to give them a reason why they want to care about it. Give them the heat, as they say, and then give them the evidence and you know, push them into the into the room.
0: You love going to trial. I do. And and I think that's part of your kind of uh, chutzpah. Chutzpah, <laughs> they say. Chutzpah. And people have to know that on the other side, right? The defense orders have to know it. The insurance companies have to know it. And you have to be able to back it up, and a lot of people can't. Um, what is it about trial that you love so much?
1: Um, I don't like asking insurance companies for things. I'm not. This isn't. You're not doing me a favor by by do, you know doing what I'm asking you. Um, that's a huge theme that the insurance companies love to push. Is that look at these nuclear verdicts. Uh, but 95% of the time the plaintiffs offered to settle it for far less. And so that's the really important aspect of what we do. We're, we're honing what things are worth. You know, what, what, how does a, a jury value an injury to a spine? How does a person value permanent, you know, pain in somebody's leg or whatever it is, it's so important to hear from, you know, your peers, what What suffering is worse. It's so it's such an immensely important thing.
0: Talk to me about your conversation with your clients when making the decision between accepting an offer that's good, not great, and going to trial. Yeah, so I walked through both factors. I said, look, there's 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 value in peace. You know, I'm not gonna
1: pretend that this is a fun process. It's a long, grueling, sometimes immensely invasive process. And then the end, you're gonna be sitting there for days, if not a week really explain, you know, laying it all out and having your family members talk about some of the worst days of your life. So I understand theoretically why, uh, you know, trial should be avoided, but that's not real life. And so, it, but that's the interesting thing about what we do. And that's why this is exciting is because that conversation is so different based on who the client is. So, you know, I'm handling a, a medical malpractice case that I've been handling for four years and it's just horrible. Horrifying. I mean, her life is legitimately ruined. And when you deal with different varying types of damages for clients, um, she never bothers us. The family never calls us. They never say what's taking so long. And it's crazy because they have every right to be calling me and saying, what is
0: taking, we say it all the time. It's the, it's the the, the clients with the major cases, like you just mentioned, are the ones that are like, you don't hear from them and trust. The ones that have the small ones here, There, they're calling every day. I'm every so day. humbled every by it. I'm day. just like, wow.
1: And, you know, the conversation's very different. You know, no matter what has happened in this case, the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, they're like, whatever you say, Nick, that's why you're here. And so it's such a—now it feels like a divine calling. You know, before, a lot of people are like, I knew I would always be a lawyer, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not—that was not my path. Uh, but now,
0: I, I truly— believe I'm doing what I was meant. I love it, man. That's awesome. Well, back, back to the social media stuff, um, that, that comes out in your posts, right? I mean, you're passionate in your posts and, and you're good at it. What do you think about when you're going to put something out, whether it's what type of content or frequency or what the message you're trying to get across? It's tough.
1: Um, you know, you don't want to inundate people. You also don't want to be boring. Um, the point is to get the point across and be remembered, but you can't make it too long. You can't make it boring. You know, People are scrolling quickly, so you want to get the point across. You want to make them understand why what you're doing is important, and that they need a lawyer, uh, and that we're a value-added service. But you you have to come up with interesting things. So stories that have occurred or common misconceptions. Uh, you have to find something that will hook them. You know, I did one that said, "Go to jury duty." That's what I started with, and that grabs attention. You know, you have to do something. But I also don't want to be you know, spraying dollars and, you know, holding up checks. You, you have to find the right balance of, and I also don't want to be the stuffy guy who's only sitting in front of a bookcase and a tie and you know, old school only, you know, we are a distinguished, you know, profession that never speaks to clients. And they, you know, so I think it's important to find
0: a balance. I think you also do a good job of making posts that invite interaction and invite comments and invite discussion and dialogue. <laughs> I mean that in a, here, as a compliment. Here. Okay, good. I, I mean, it's a compliment, like, because, you know, a lot, a lot of people make a post, and people are so freaking obsessed with likes and this, that, and the other. And it took me a long time. Uh, my daughter actually kind of helped me get past that of, like, that's not really the point of all of this. But I do think the concept of people uh, commenting and having a discussion is important. Interaction, yeah. And, and so I think that's something you're good at is that just by chance or do you, you purposefully think that we or? try, I mean, but largely it's topics
1: that I'm, I'm passionate about and I think people should care about. And often I'm wrong. You know, sometimes it's, you know, you make something that you think is going to be exciting. I'm sure you can relate to that and it falls flat and you're like, really? Wow. I thought that was interesting. Uh, and then you do something and you're like, well, I mean, I kind of think it's interesting. People just,
0: you know, lose their minds over it. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, totally. I, you know, I, I do uh, a couple of weeks, I put videos out and I'll, Sometimes I just will show up in the morning and just kind of do them. And other times I like agonize over the content and the ones I just agonize, over, I'm like, this is so good. It's like, wah, wah, wah. So how do you come up with it? Do you, do you write them down? Do you so sit I down in sessions all the time? So I, yeah, I do it once a month. I'd love to know your career. I, I do once a month. Um, and I used to write them out and I would go like on a walk in the morning and like think about all this stuff. And that was when it was a, when it was a two minute thing. Right. And as they've gotten shorter, I've become more kind of off the cuff because generally there are topics that I know about and I can talk about, about and man. it just kind of triggers in my mind. But I did one recently on, um, I was thinking about some celebrity cases because people just love celebrities, right? And so I came across Dr. Phil got sued in a dog bite case. And I do a lot of dog, dog attack stuff. And so I'm like, okay, well, I can kind of, I do dog attack cases I can talk about. A dog attack. Dr. Phil, everybody knows he was sued for dog attack. Let's go. That joker went crazy. That's awesome. I mean, people from God knows where and, and just, you know, because it happens is random people share it and then it gets shared again. And so, like. it's what you want. And, you know, and so you can look at those Instagram or YouTube or whatever, you know, um, metrics and Dr. Phil having his dog attack his guest has probably been my biggest video. I've ever you don't, done. you know where it comes from, man. You know, uh, <laughs> that's, um, that's a beauty of virality as they say. So. It's, it's just wild. Um, and then the Google reviews is something also that, 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 that we focus on. You, 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 you're pretty good at that. Like We're what's, getting there. what's the secret to cause. So, okay. So walk through like your thought process of timing to attract a client to get a Google review because generally speaking, You know, you do a good job, they're happy, they get their their check, their case is resolved, they're happy with you, but then that next step of them taking the time to go online and write about it, like, how do you thread that? You try to do it right
1: before they get their check or while they're getting their check. Because they're, they're still there, they still remember why they care. Uh, after they're gone, like <laughs> people are just dust, man. Like uh, sometimes I remember you. Thank goodness, God bless those clients. But and then obviously anytime before, they're like you're still working, so leave me alone. Right? Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've done a good job yet. Occasionally, we'll have somebody who's like super happy with a certain result. We'll get liability coverage, and they're over overjoyed or whatever it is. Or we find some smoking gun, and they're like, I can't believe you did that. But uh, you know, 95 of the
0: time, it's hey, we sold your case. We, this is what the checks amount's going to be. We'd really appreciate it if you did it if we did. So the sweet spot would be. Between cases now been settled, you're coming in on this day to get your check. So that's the moment where you can capture them or when they're at your office.
1: Or they're literally in the office, yeah.
0: Which I've heard that, tell me if I'm wrong, that Google doesn't like they the reviews suppress, yeah. coming from within the same network of the. Yeah, they can spoil them. That, is that, is hope that a, is that hope a they're thing? they're
1: not on the Wi-Fi, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, is that a thing? I don't, it's I, really interesting.
1: And I don't know how it works because we've... We've had several who we know they're not in the building. Uh, we've had people send us uh, that they've written reviews and they don't post. So we've reported it. We've showed it. They don't. They don't know. So I couldn't tell you what the inner Google, but I have heard that as well. If you get spammed from a specific area or things like that, that they'll they'll suppress it.
0: Yeah, Google changes their rules all the time because it can. Um, that's one thing I've heard is that you know they're trying to avoid the concept of like. Before you get your check, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, like, you have to leave this review. Oh yeah, no, we don't we don't make them do anything. There's no- It's funny, these podcasts. So you can you can drive yourself crazy. Well, you, metrics on anything you drive yourself crazy, mm-hmm. but these podcasts, you can get so granular um, with downloads and this, that, and the other. And so what I've learned I'm is, sad to get lost in that rabbit hole. <laughs> I used to get lost in I've stopped now. Like okay, there's enough good. things in my life that I that I calculate like downloads I've kind of stopped, but um, I look at it still, but not as much as I used to. But my point is that, is that they will only, as I understand it, get you one download per network, regardless of the devices or, or you know, people in the house, or because they're trying to avoid people from doing that very thing, which yeah. is just like click, 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 click. Even if it's different devices, it's not actually new users. So they. Monsters. Technologies will always win. (laughs) Monsters. Monsters. The the monsters will always win. Uh, But it's important to get those Google reviews. I mean, you know, that's how people are more and more kind of gauging what lawyers do. Because we do so much. So still, a
1: huge percentage of my work is from other attorneys. And so when a lot of people see our social media, they think, oddly enough, Gunnels uh, messaged me once. And he said, uh, you know, I apologize. I I thought you only did advertising. I didn't think you actually tried cases. And it was kind of a funny moment for us. Um, But a huge percentage of our work is from other lawyers. So people see the social media and they're like, well, this is how he gets all his clients. It's not, it's not true. Uh, It's just a singular part of the whole pie. And so I think it's important to stay diversified and to try several avenues. And people, they say that people don't remember you until they see you the sixth time. And so if you do it, you know, Hey, nice to meet you. And you move on. Uh, one of my, uh, amazing, uh, directors, I apparently met like four or five times. And finally he was like, do you, why don't you remember me? (laughs) And I felt terrible about it. But I I think that's, that's the kind of brain that I have is I'd have to see you a few times before my brain ties things together. Uh, and I think it's the same with, with, you know, clients. Is that if they've only seen you once, they don't care. If they see you two or three times, they don't care. It's they're like, Oh yeah, it's that guy or they see fighter or they you know, they met someone or it, it really takes a few different ways. They see you on social media, they see you on Instagram, they see you uh, some type whatever pick a type of advertising finally that it clicks that, oh right. that's, that's
0: the same guy so there it is six times that's <laughs> it all right you got your Eagles jacket on we're doing some sports before I we do, do that <laughs> though uh i want to know kind of your vision again that big word like your day-to-day responsibilities moving forward sure. you love the law stuff you like the management stuff you like the rent the law firm all of it like what is what is nick's plan for his best and highest use moving forward
1: um i have to get as they say out of the trenches uh i still do a lot of work that I've been doing from day one. I'm still writing 95% of our complaints, personally, uh, even though we have eight lawyers. Uh, I'm still doing a lot of things. Uh, until very recently, I wrote every single check. And uh, firms that are you know, a fifth of my size are like, what are you doing? So I think I have to get out of the minutia, and I have to learn to manage those. But they just feel like such pressure points. I've gotten much better at pulling away. I, 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 my goal this year has become what I call non-essential. So if I disappear for two weeks, the firm should still function. I should still add immense value. I still should make the firm better, but I should not. I should be able to disappear for a little while and the train should keep moving. And I think that's the hardest part for this phase. And I've been saying that for years, so who knows, but you have to trust your team. You have to build duplicative systems. I think it's a huge thing that a lot of people, they have single points of failure Uh, and that's how you get in big trouble. You need two or three people, Monitoring very important aspects of it, and if I can become
0: non-essential, that'll frees me up to do the really important things. Well said, man. You're a smart dude. You get it. I love it. If you're faking it, God bless you. Good for you. Can <laughs> you make it, baby? <laughs> uh, and listen, when you disappear for two weeks, give me a call. It could, hopefully, it's soon. You know, I, I, I can sneak away for a day soon. I'm I'm eyeing a you in know, in Italy. So that's funny you we'll say that because happens. because you know how how Instagram and Facebook they'll spam you with yes. things. That came up in my feed today. Did they know we were talking listening. about it? Something. Because I haven't brought up a I can't remember the last time. Like, dude, they knew we were going to talk about it today.
1: So I'm, I'm, uh, that's like my my gift to myself
0: when I finally take a, a real vacation. Z- Zuck is always listening. Undefeated. He's undefeated. <laughs> my God. Well, you know how else was almost undefeated this year was your Eagles. Yeah. Um, it was a special year. It was a special year. You got your your jacket on. Um, Kelly Green. You were at the World Series uh, not World Series. World Series. you had the Super Close Bowl. Enough. You had the Super Bowl. I thought you were
1: supposed to know sports, guys. What happened?
0: <laughs> you had the Super Bowl. We were texting while you were there. Mike Fonts, friend of mine, we all got connected. He was on the podcast previewing the Super Bowl. I said, listen, when the Eagles win, you're gonna come right right here. We're gonna I'm do so the celebration. It.
1: Oh. And then
0: you're like, dude, give me a little time. Um, your story of why you're an Eagles fan, I think, is pretty interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So as I said, I was in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma when I started getting into
1: uh, football. And, uh, I could not stand the Cowboys fans. I apologize for any Cowboys fans out there, but, uh, I was just not a fan. And so green's my favorite color. And, uh, that was kind of their, their rival was the Eagles. And I was like, I like this. And I was a huge fan of uh, Donovan McNabb. Um, he was like my, my guy. And so I was actually at the Super Bowl when we uh, won in 2018 uh, and so I wore his Jersey and then I retired it
0: as they say, the, uh, the Philly special. You <laughs> yeah, have, you have that. I mean, I've seen I that video you it. took, you're right there in the corner. Um, so you've been at two Super Bowls now. I have Talk about the experience of going the whole atmosphere, it's it's very, very different experiences. Um, so the first one, I didn't think we had
1: a shot, uh, another great nod to my wife. She, you know, we, we weren't doing amazing financially at that point. Uh, and I kind of made a wager. She's like, you know, we were in the NFC championship is against the Vikings. And they were the number one defense in the entire league. And uh, I made a I made a bet I thought I couldn't lose. And I said Famous last words. Yeah. I said, if we blow the Vikings out, we'll I'll, I'll bring us to the Super Bowl. And you know, I didn't have the money for that. Uh, but she's like, Okay. And we did. They scored and then we went up thirty five. We scored thirty five in a row. And
0: <laughs> answered and she was like, ah and by, I was like, by <laughs> any definition of blowing them out.
1: Yeah, seven to thirty five. Uh and so I did. I had to pay for um, Super Bowl tickets but the funny thing was you know not many people remember this but uh, our, our quarterback was injured so we were on a, a second string quarterback and we were against Tom Brady and so Nick Foles was your Who's gonna win that game and so I had already watched us lose against the Patriots in, or five or whatever year it was I wasn't there for that thank goodness uh, and so I was like here we go I get to watch us lose again so I was very pessimistic but hilariously uh, it was a shootout. It was. The, I still think is the best Super Bowl that's ever been played. It was such a just powerhouse, incredible. No one expected it to be what it was, and um, I was not nervous the entire time. I am a nervous wreck watching my teams. I don't know how you are, and I honestly, I in a weird way, I wish my teams wouldn't make it to the Super Bowl because I'm way too stressed out. Yeah. Uh, it's way more fun to watch teams I don't care about, but. Um, I wasn't worried until till Brady had it in his hands in the last two minutes. And I was like, this is how he wins
0: every game. <laughs> he wins every game, yeah. <laughs> and you
1: can ask my wife. I was like, freaking out. She was like, you, you were. You've been cool this whole time. Right. She's like, you were fine when we were losing. She's like, now you're worried we're up eight.
0: So I'm a college football guy, of course, big UGA fan. And I've been to the, the last Go Dogs. I've been to the last two Humble Brag, National Championship Incredible. games. And, and that last one, the, brutal. The, 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 co- <laughs> the, the college environment in those games, Kind of mirrors during the season. I mean, it's it's rabid fans. It's you know, it's students. It's diehards. I've heard that the the Super Bowl fans very corporate, not quite as rowdy as like a regular season game. What, what has been your experience?
1: I mean, there's obviously an immense amount of celebrities in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's kind of the the thing to do. But they're the by far the the lowest. Um, you know, they're the minority. People are ravenous. Hilariously, I don't know if anybody paid attention to uh, this game this year, but uh, Dak Prescott won. Uh, Man of the Year, and he got booed out, <laughs> crazy. Sure. Right. So Eagles fans, and my wife was like, "Oh, why did we do that?" And I was like, "He's what he deserves. Like it's it's who I am. It's in my blood." But. Um, no, it's it's still very ravenous. It's still very exciting. Uh, I love the Super Bowl. It's it's very exciting. It's cool to see you know the the halftime shows and things like that. But I was Rihanna this year in person, so that was the cool thing. So a lot of people texted me and they were like, I didn't seen that very. It you know, wasn't that very good. And I was like, Are you crazy? I was like, A pregnant Rihanna. She's like a hundred you know yards in the air. I was like, This is amazing. But I could see it. Like we could see it was a, it was a very three dimensional. Type of event. So I, when I watched the recording, the, uh, I was like, "Okay, I could see why people didn't enjoy it. She wasn't as animated. Obviously, she was pregnant. She has so many good songs. She does. We she forgot has so many we good forgot. songs. So my wife and I were trying to remember how many songs she had, and then she boom, boom, boom. We were like, "Wow, we know every word of like fifteen songs.
0: I should have looked this up beforehand. You know, uh, hand in the air. I messed this up. But sure. there was a over under of how many songs she was going to play. Yeah. It was either nine and a half or 13 a half or 11 and half, whatever it was. And, and we bet on it just kind of friendly. And you we bet, bet on it? Well, just kind of friendly. You just, really bet? No, no, we didn't actually put oh, money, God, but um, we just made like some friendly wagers. Mike Fonts, we did. Um, and I think we took the under thing like, there's no way she's got, well, by God, she blew that out of the water. <laughs> And it just, just kept going. I'm like, would. whoa.
1: I'm like, yeah. Oh, I yeah. know there were bets on the first song,
0: and it was kind of funny. I, was, I love seeing people sweat really weird bets. Now, I will say, though, Chris Stapleton's national anthem yeah. was, to me, as good as it gets. It's special. I mean, and I, I, I've now experienced both
1: a win and a loss at a Super Bowl. It's tough. Um, it's tough being there for a loss. The second they, they called holding, I walked out. I was like, I'm out. You knew it <laughs> I was I knew it was done. My wife was like, it's not over. I was like, it's over. I assure you it's over. Uh, it was kind of funny that, that she knew that, that I knew that immediately, and she was so shocked. But um, it was kind of funny to see Mahomes limping as heavily as he was, and he came out perfectly fine. I was like,
0: What is, oh. what is your take on that? <laughs> they drugged Mahomes. him. They drugged him all to hell, man. I'm Just out. shot him up. I, there's no, There's no other way. I mean, he literally couldn't walk off. He out. couldn't walk. And then, almost like Brady, like, when he had the ball at the end, he just kind of felt it, um, and then that that penalty, James Bradbury. Just don't get me started. Okay, well I'm gonna get you started because <laughs> because because what else? That's what we have to talk about. Pour yourself another drink if you need ice right here. Um, walk me through watching that go down. You just said that how you, you and I hate to to open these wounds, no, but I've you're here. It. No, I, it was enough time. I've I've largely... so, so you're watching this all go down. You make the stop on third down, yeah. and then laundry on the floor I think it was
1: mostly because of what we lost I think is what really hurt me so the game was fantastic by every standard before the last two minutes uh high scoring really cool moments I mean Jalen f- fumbling the ball and them grabbing it I mean it was I, ha- I hated it but it was it was a really good Super Bowl uh I genuinely believe that Jalen Hurts outplayed Mahomes overall I would agree with uh, that yeah I think our defense was fantastic in the first half um so we were in a really good spot. I got to enjoy Rihanna. We were up 10. You know, it was a good time. But um, And I think it technically was a, was a uh, penalty. But I think when it comes down to game deciding, and it was. It was a game deciding uh, penalty. It has to af- materially affect the It has to. You cannot decide the game based on a technical, no effect, um, you know, play. I just think it, it robs the world of it. And so when you think about what was lost... They kick the field goal there. The Eagles get it with 90 seconds left. You know that's that's the ending you want. You know the the way that the Eagles beat the Patriots. Brady had it in his hands. He had a shot to finish the game, and that was what that that is the moment I'll always remember from any Eagles Super Bowl, and that was our first of, of a win. Was the strip sack? Brandon Graham gets him, and I literally have it on my wall. I'll, I'll show you it in my basement when you come over. If you I don't know if you play cards, but. Um, is him losing the ball and it was wasn't sure if he was forward or back and uh it was a, such a cool moment
0: because the Patriots had a shot I think I think the word you use is right we all got robbed of an amazing ending and maybe they beat um, us you know maybe yeah they're... and I think I mean Bradbury he came out the next day and kind of Mia he said yeah by the letter of the law it was a holding or whatever they you know they called uh-huh. which you know, maybe it was, but I think in that moment you swallow the whistle. You, gotta, you don't want you don't want the you zebras. Pick, you gotta pick the fly. You don't want the zebras to to dictate the outcome. And, and I
1: watched and, it, and my, his his path was not impeded. He literally it wasn't it didn't slow him down. He didn't jerk. There was
0: nothing. And to your point, once that play was made, it was clear they would run the clock down. It was over. So so you leave. You're like to hell. To this more. I'm out of here. I knew it was over. There was a really hilariously there was a
1: super drunk guy in front of me, and I was like, you think Eagles fans, right? He's a Chiefs fan. Uh, he literally fell into my wife. And he, he was uh, absolutely obnoxious, so it was nice to not be the the obnoxious team for once. So did
0: your wife leave with you, or did you go solo? She went with me. And yeah. would y'all go back to the hotel? You're like, oh the, yeah, we're done. Hey, hey, oh, it's a nightmare. I mean, if you, I don't know if you've ever left a uh,
1: dude. <laughs> I'm,
0: a, I'm a Georgia fan. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Uh, the, the name Tua Tagovailoa, I me mean, uh, yeah. Jalen Hurts team. Right. Like, we had second and twenty six. Like we saw it all happen. So yes, I get it. Uh, but to leave and then the day's over at that point, like it just kind of, Oh no, and, like, I well. was,
1: and I was miserable and I didn't feel great. And it was, it was, it was not a great day, but, um, and I know a lot of Cowboys fans who made sure to text me within two minutes of the game ending. How was Arizona as a host? Beautiful. Um, I mean the, the city was fine, but, uh, it was February in the desert's gorgeous. And it was kind of funny. A lot of people, once you get into the city, it kind of sends you all the messages of people around you. Um, a lot of people were like, it's not this nice most of the time, like stop getting delusional. Cause all the people visiting were like, I want to live here now. It was like 72 degrees and like breezy. Was, Arizona, wow, Arizona
0: does actually. Yeah. It was amazing a few times I've been there. I, I
1: love Arizona. but you know, they got the scorpions and the snakes, but it was funny to see the locals be like, it's normally, you know, Satan's, you know, El, you know, armpit. So. We don't
0: want y'all here all the time. <laughs> right. So what kind of money is Jalen hurts about to get from you guys? A lot. Uh, but I think
1: if we do it now, I hope we do it now. Howie Roseman's incredible. But um, I think we can get a Mahomesian type deal where it's longer and um, overall it'll be relatively team friendly. I think we're going to get hit. And I think Roseman is the way he's drafting and letting people go. He's going to, he knows that they're going to get a deal down. But hey, the man. I agree. I mean, he needs a, he needs a, he's earned it. I mean, there's unquestionably, I think he, his his defense let him down. He 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 would have won that game. I have very little doubt. I would not have been stressed if he had the ball with 90 seconds
0: left. So you mentioned the fan in front of you. You said he's a Chiefs fan, not the obnoxious Philadelphia fan. <laughs> uh, I mean, since you're not from Philly, I guess you're not the obnoxious Philly guy.
1: Uh, I think I, my wife would disagree. I mean, do, uh,
0: do you travel up to Philadelphia, go to the link, and just get right in it without you? The link. I'm proud of you. Uh, so yeah, we I went, do my homework. I'm you. proud of you.
1: No joke. Um, the we went for the cowboys game this year when Mm -hmm. they came to the link um it was great it was a great game uh so i am i am more pleasant on average but at a super bowl or high stakes eagles games i'm i'm a lot more traditionally philly so (laughs) my wife's like stop
0: all right now you're not you're not a philadelphia phillies fan now Uh, i mean i'm i'm definitely more of a braves fan. okay absolutely no i'm so I'm watching the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. And Trey Turner is just freaking awesome. Yeah. And he's going to be in the division with break the Braves. <laughs> I thought we left the Nationals. We were good. Now he's back. I'm like, I love the guy. Now he's going to kill us. Ugh. You a baseball fan? Um,
1: nowhere near as much as football. But I definitely follow it, and I always want the Braves to football do it well. Football's number one? And Unquestionably. Um, All pro? Any college? Yeah, I mean, I follow the dogs and things like that. But it's nothing compared to pro. Pro is it just holds a special place. In it's mind. hard to be, um, both like diehard. It is. And I, I think the reason that I can't fall in love and I enjoy it, uh, I think I'm going to go this year, uh, to a dog game, but, uh, is that the blowouts? It's just like, are you going to win by 35 or 72? It's like, that's not it. Like even the worst, that's what we call any given Sunday, the worst NFL teams got a shot. um, and a lot of the, the vast majority of games are cited by one score. And that's exciting to me. So these are professionals. And
0: yeah. you better keep some respect. You're, you're right. I mean, more than half the games that a good college team plays is a blowout. And no one really wants to see that. And they literally got to pay them to, to get their, you know, pay yeah, them to, to come. Like, come on. Like, that's such
1: a weird thing for me. And so that's why it's hard for me to. I mean, it's great. You get to know your team's going to win. But I, we went down a couple years ago to a um, South Carolina-Georgia game. And Georgia was like a 24-point favorite, and they lost. And I was so mad. I was because like, i like, here I am, I get, get to see the dogs. Here again. we go.
0: Yeah. And I was like, I was so livid.
1: <laughs> I was like, I'm not even
0: that big of a. Well, fan. See, my, my problem with the football, like the Falcons. I mean, I, I my dad loves them. My family loves them. I want to them watch to be them. Good. I want them to be good. But like, I, just I hope can't. they get Lamar. They're not going. They're to. not going to. But I just can't get invested in them. And How just, cool would that be, though? Like Michael Vick, it would, it 2.0. Would be Like, like when Vick was here, so it exciting. was super exciting. If I'm Arthur Blank, I'm saying I ain't got only so many years left. Like, right. let's just roll the dice. Let's, what assume, does he care? let's
1: assume you can't win a championship. Who cares? Ticket sales, excitement. Atlanta would embrace Lamar beyond anything.
0: I would. I'd be at three times as many games. I turn down tickets to the Falcons games all the time. I'm right. like, I don't really care to go. But if, if, but if you have the product of Lamar Jackson and all that comes with it, I'm much more interested in going down there. It's so exciting. We'll see what happens. I hope they
1: don't blow it. Please, I hope they're like pretending. There's a lot of theories that they're waiting until after the draft, and so then you get you give up next year's picks, and so people are interesting. That's the interesting. Theory, is that okay. they don't want okay. to give up this year's picks?
0: Well, they'll blow this year's picks anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't that, that's my favorite thing? About Falcons fan is like when when the Falcons are four and ten or three and nine, whatever it might be. It's always like okay, well, let's just lose these next couple games to get the draft pick. Every year is a discussion. Then we'll win three meaningless games at the end of the year, and we'll right. end up being the 10, 11, 12 pick. We'll screw that pick up also, but it's the same narrative. I'm like, I'm just tired of the goal every year to be get a good draft pick that we're going to mess up anyway.
1: Who threw the number one draft pick this year?
0: Well, the they traded it. Uh, Bears had it, and they traded
1: it. No, no, no. Bears had it, but somebody had it, and then they won a meaningless game. Oh, Was it the, the Texans? I can't remember who it was, but they literally just completely – they. Just won
0: at the last second. That's and they, a fireball offense.
1: And they gave up. That <laughs> what are you doing? That is a transformative, for five ten years decision. Wow. And I, I try to be you know always win and focus and all that. But no, I mean to win a meaningless game and and drop to the second overall draft pick it blows my mind. Yes. Blows my. Mind. I mean look what look what the Bears got for that. They got
0: a huge haul. It's
1: gonna change everything.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff. I well, think the Bears are going to be good this year. I'll be excited to see it. Well, look, man, this is a great time. You're good at this. I appreciate that. I want to do it one day, so I got to learn from. Why not? I got to learn from the master. So, um, what you're going to be able to do also is come up with a really tag, like a really good name for your pod. I got to find it though. I I will I, I'll give you a bounty
1: for coming up. We've done things like inside the ring or you know, inside I'm trying, the ring. I'm trying is to come good. up. I, I think we can do
0: better though. Yours is much better. Inside. The, so my document of mine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it. It you know it kind of married I'm my two things. I'm honestly furious that I didn't come up with that first. <laughs> I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> well, hey, coming from <laughs> you, those are the t- two things I care about. I'll take that as a high compliment coming <laughs> yeah. from you, man. I, I mean, like, wow. I, you know, I'm, I'm unable. I told you earlier, I'm unable to like shrink things down. But my dad, I gave him a few things, and he was like, "Let's do that." I'm like, brevity's the solo bre- brevity is it, man. Well, good stuff, dude. This was a lot of fun. This was a lot, a lot of fun. Um, people were going to want to find you. Tell them your social media stuff, Facebook, Instagram, website, contact, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it's a Schneider Law from my website. Uh, Schneider the Fighter is uh, S-E-H-N-Y. Um,
1: Schneider the Fighter is my, uh, all my socials. Um, and, yeah, we're, I'm so honored to be here, and uh, this is great. Have a good time yeah we'll do, we'll do this again. let's do it. We'll do it again make you a recurring guest amongst royalty hey down. i can
0: uh, i can recognize talent now i appreciate i can that. recognize well look talent. if we can come up with a blend man maybe i can be a guest host you know <laughs> i love it dude all right look god thank you all for listening i know that you enjoyed this one reach out to nick great dude love you all thank you all for listening um what do you say give a like leave a comment share it share it create some dialogue like you like you can do and uh Leave a review. Yeah, please. Follow Google's rules when you do it. (laughs) Don't Uh, do it in your office. (laughs) Don't do it in my – yeah, don't go to my house and leave a review because they will let you do it. Uh, You can go to sportstorks.com, find old episodes, find it wherever, Apple, Spotify, all of it. Uh, Thanks for listening. Until next time, as always, keep chopping.